Hey, everybody. Welcome to the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sands. Today, I am talking to trucker, mechanic, artist, husband, father, Philip West, also known as at Philip or at flannel underscore Philip on Instagram. How are you doing today, Philip? Hey, doing fine, Nick. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's tripping me up calling you Philip. I keep going to call you Phil, and it keeps tripping me up. That's all right. <laughs> I, I Growing up, my mom and dad called me Phil, and so it, it's fine. Yeah, it, either way, it really doesn't bother me. Whatever, man. So, my best, cool. my best, one of my best friends growing up was named Philip, or was named Phil. Look, I don't even know his name anymore. But his name Phil. So every time I go, I feel like I'm like talking to him. It's weird. Yeah, um, it's cool. It's cool. So you are a trucker by day. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. an artist by night. Um, sure. Yeah. Yep. It sounds I, like. It seems like everything you do revolves around uh, something with an engine. Is that? fair to say it is yep I, i'm a bona fide <laughs> gearhead yep absolutely um i i do I, I drive semi five days a week um on saturdays in the shop that's when we do all of our maintenance and repair on the trucks um i was actually an automotive mechanic for 15 years and so um i i just i any of that stuff it engine related i'm all about it yeah and then that's kind of what my art revolves around is just um i love to draw machines uh, i love to paint machines i love lettering and pinstriping uh, a lot of the old school stuff i i really really like um things that have a history and a story to tell uh it you know if it's rusty and beat up and has rock chips in it things like that to me <laughs> that's that's something that has seen a lot of life on the road and it's got a story to tell so that's kind of what I'm into, and that's yeah. It, any of the stuff that that I put out there is is just what I'm into, and so if if people like it, people dig it, cool. So uh, yeah, uh, rat rods, hot rods, semi trucks, tractors. Um, I kind of grew up around farm equipment, so any of that stuff. Yeah, I love getting my hands dirty, and and uh, so my art just kind of reflects who I am, I guess. So yeah. I think that's interesting what you said about um, kind of like the the more beat up and rusty, the, the more you feel like it has a story to tell. I think that that's definitely true, even for like, um, you know, like my first car was a was a 96 Hyundai Accent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and hear me out. Just let me, hold on. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I'm with you. I'm tracking. Uh, so, and like, I could have, you know, your first car is like your first symbol of freedom, you know? So, oh, yeah. I could have told you every, and I beat the hell out of that thing too. I was just, <laughs> I was absolutely tearing up the like, road in that thing. <laughs> like a good high schooler should. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. can tell you, I could have told you the story from every scratch and nick and, you know, every, yeah. everything that was wrong with that car, um, you, you know, bet. had a, had a reason to be wrong. And yep, uh, that's right. It definitely, you know, mm-hmm. the, like the most, the lamest car of all time, the 96 Hyundai hatchback that was like purple <laughs> it was like this weird silver pink color um, okay yep yeah but even even that you know when that one was going down the road i was like man that's a rough one to get rid of you know yeah it's yep funny how those things grow on you like that something so silly. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> and because it was your first you'll always remember it and when you see them out on the road you just think oh that i had that that was my first car you know yeah <laughs> exactly uh, no don't see my, many. mine was yeah, mine was an 82 Honda Accord hatchback. I actually bought it from my grandma. 
Um, <laughs> it was it was something my grandfather bought brand new off the lot, and my grandma drove it. And then when she was gonna move into a minivan, she sold it to me for four hundred bucks, and I bought it when I was fourteen. So. Um, uh, we had it out on the farm, and it was almost like a go-kart for me. You know, it had a <laughs> four-cylinder and a five-speed manual hatchback, and, yeah, I was buzzing up and down the driveway and, you know, <laughs> doing, yeah, donuts in the grass. And, yeah, it, we had a good time in that car. I had it uh, all four wheels off the ground multiple times. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, my mom would probably cringe if I told some of the stories that, you know, <laughs> go along with that car. But, yeah, you, you always remember your first. So, that's such yeah, a weird, like you said. That's such a weird feeling, like your first car, you know, because like you go from mm-hmm. basically being so confined for your whole life. I mean, realistically, you were before you get your first car, you know. I mean, you're not biking, you know. What, <laughs> you know, what I mean, you're biking what, like yep. maybe at the absolute most, you know, twenty miles out. And yeah. then you get your yep. first car, and it's like the whole world is suddenly seems like it's open to you, you know. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. yep. Such a, such a like. Um, like I, I, I'm sure that they have that in other countries, but it's just like I feel like it's like the American rite of passage almost, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yep, it it is. It's a it's a big part of being a uh, an American teenager is, is that <laughs> rite know? of passage, your first car, <laughs> and even if it's you know just a complete pile of garbage, you'll you'll <laughs> always remember it. And uh, were you like me? Did you just grow up around uh, motorcycles and go karts and just machines like with, with just snowmobiles stuff like that you guys get snow out in new hampshire so yeah. were you were you gearhead growing up or not really no um it's so it's weird i i wasn't really i liked cars and mm-hmm. i liked the way cars looked like i always planned on being i pretty much always planned on being a body man because i wanted to work with my dad that was like okay. my pretty much my goal my whole life was to work with my dad um that's cool and so like i was interested in cars but, like, even today, I'm not great with, like, like I, I know what – I can fix an engine, but I don't really know a lot of, like, mm. what makes it work or, or why it runs the way it does or, like, what makes sure. a good engine versus a bad engine, you know what I mean? Like, Sure, yeah. I'm just not really, like, into that. What I am into, though, is, like, mm. the way a car looks, you know? Like, yeah. I, I always talk about it, like, um, you know, I'll talk to you for, for hours about, like, you know, the difference – like the stylistic differences between like the 96 yeah. Hyundai accent and the 97 Hyundai accent headlight choice and sure. why they, why they decided to switch it up like that. But the, as far as like yep. the itself, like it just, um, you know, I love, I love wrenching on them, but I just don't really, mm-hmm. the numbers just don't really interest me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I, I tend even as, as a mechanic being around other mechanic buddies going through school and growing up and stuff like that, they cared very little about the aesthetics of something. And I was kind of different than a lot of the guys in the crowd and maybe not all of them. I, I shouldn't stereotype too much, but I was way more into the look of something kind of like uh, what you're describing. Like, you know, I, I cared not only about it mechanically working well, but I cared about what it looked like and making sure it was clean, you know, and, and, and it just, if I had something in the stall and, and I was going to be doing a brake job or something like that on it, it bothered me if if the customer brought it in and it was filthy, you know, and like 
the the interior just looked like the inside of a dumpster and it was all it hadn't been washed in three months or something like that that bugged me i wanted to run it down to the car wash and wash it for him and you know if we were putting tires on i was the guy over there with with a rag it was like wiping the wheels off making sure i didn't leave handprints all over it and it's like the other guy's like dude nobody's gonna notice that why who cares but it's like yeah but it's bothering me you know maybe i'm just like too much of a nitpicky clean freak about it but it's just yeah yeah it's just the way that we're made i guess i guess i know i know like um you know like a lot of a lot of times like especially in the industry i'm in obviously a lot of times people will like you see a nice car and they want to tell you all about the engine and stuff and i feel like a lot of times like they say it they don't really know what they're saying either and they say it's me and i don't really know what they're saying so i'm just kind of like yeah like we both agree that that's a good number and then you <laughs> yeah. talk about other stuff, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's and we consume a, things with our eyes first, right? Just like food true. or anything else. So, yeah, got to look good. That's the thing I think that kills me about, like, um, today is, and I talk about this a lot, too, is the fact that, like, cars, they all look the same. Yeah. And they all yeah. have, like, the same, they're all either black, white, or silver. Yeah. Yep. It drives me <laughs> absolutely crazy. I'm like... Yeah. That's why when we get to do like cool paint jobs, like even something just like painting your, you know, like yellow, just painting your truck yellow, like what a, Mm -hmm. it like stands out so much. Like I don't understand why more people don't do it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Especially businesses that want to get noticed. Like, yeah, don't, don't buy a fleet of white minivans if you want to get noticed. You know, I I get it if, if they need to turn around and, you know, peel the vinyl wrap back off and, and, sell it you know or something else like that i get it but yeah if you want to get noticed if you want to be different yeah paint it something unique <laughs> make it stand out crazy you know? get weird with it <clears throat> that's right yeah <laughs> that's how i yep. feel and yeah man you actually i mean your truck has a you know it's it's definitely very different looking like it's not a um <laughs> yeah. it's not stock yeah. it's not stock nope nope exactly yeah the the truck that i get to drive every day um, I, well, I should back up. I, I drive for a very, very cool guy. He's, he's my friend first and then he's boss second. And he, he does a really good job of, of finding that balance where he's not too much one or the other. And he gives me free reign with that Kenworth. It's, it's really, really fun that he just says, yeah, go nuts on it, man. That's fine. Do your thing. And so it's just kind of become the rat rod Kenworth. And, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, I tinker with it. I just can't leave anything alone on it, and I'm just always messing around on it and changing something and and ratting it up some more, or just doing something unique to it to to make it my own. So yeah, I would say the most the most uh, iconic the double diamonds on the front. Where did you get the idea for that? Oh, okay, yeah. It uh, I don't know if, if it's just something that we. Uh, Brian is my boss's name. If it's something he and I kind of has some similar tastes in old school stuff. I mean, we we both really like smoking the bandit, you know, old stuff from the 70s, the 60s, BJ and the Bear, that kind of thing. The, the typical story of a lot of a lot of guys growing up that are, you know, in their 30s or 40s. It's like we just thought that was the coolest thing. And, and same with like cab overs, you know. I just I love the old school stuff. Um, we're in. Uh, pearl snap shirts and and you know a, a, a trucker has it, it's a it's a lifestyle it's not just 
not just the machine. It's not just the person. It's it's everything all together. It's the way that a trucker takes care of his of his truck. And so anyway, back to the diamonds thing. It, it it's like um, both with the truck that I drive and Brian's, we we wanted to try and keep our trucks um, with kind of a nod to the old school and just doing things that are are unique and a little bit different because you don't see it on the road every day. You, you you're seeing plastic trucks that that just you know the Volvos and and the Freightliners and they, they just start to all start looking the same. And then you also have the crowd that it's like, oh, if it's not a Peterbilt 379, I'm not even gonna glance over there, you know, that kind of thing. So I wanted something that was different and unique enough, but we both really like um, the, the, the the classic Kenworth lines, the Peterbilt lines, and, and we wanted, um, yeah, diamonds were something that I, I think a lot of the old school truckers, if, if they could put a light on it or if they could chrome it or if they could paint it, they were doing it to their truck to make it their own and make it unique. And I think that's part of what I love about trucking as an industry is that um, the old school guys, they they took pride in their equipment and they made something their own. You know, they, they, they took ownership of it and it was different. It was unique. And um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just something that even though we're, we're driving these things five days a week, you know, we're putting food on the table, it, it's, it's how we want to be kind of known in, in the areas that we drive in. That's just, we want to be the old school guys. So <laughs> uh, that's a long answer. To, I, I, I started the rabbit trail on you there, but that's okay. Don't, that's fine. <laughs> I actually find it very interesting. Um, I think that the, you know, it's interesting what you say about like the trucker, you know, lifestyle and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people, a lot of like, you know, people who aren't around trucks or don't work around trucks, um, they don't realize really what a hard job trucking can be. Um, sure. You know, you're mm-hmm. spending, you know, however many hours, 10 hours, 12 hours behind the wheel of this truck. Yeah. yeah. Stopping sure. in strange locations um, right. and <laughs> carrying, <laughs> carrying on, right? Um, yeah. Yep. And I think that that, it's almost as if like, you spend so much time in that truck, the truck does kind of become a part of you, even if you're, if it is one of those, you know, newer kind of snap, snap together trucks. Um, sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it like kind of the, like the most, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but like the best example of like the man and machine, like melding, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? like, yeah, yep, I do. And like each it, truck individual, like sometimes I'll get inside of a truck. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but sometimes no, I'll get, no, no, go ahead inside of someone else's truck because obviously my job is to work on other people's trucks and like it feels like mm-hmm. i shouldn't be in here you know what i mean it feels yeah like it feels like you put on somebody else's jeans you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> even like the way it shifts and stuff it's like this thing doesn't want me in here <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it it the the truck and the driver have almost kind of married and melded into one one thing you know that the truck is such a reflection of the driver who the driver is um it's just the way he wants it, and everything is right where he puts it. He or she, I, I shouldn't discriminate, but, uh, you know, it just, yeah, the, the sounds, the smells, everything about that truck is that person if they spent enough time together. And you can tell, you can tell from a long ways away how well a, a driver takes care of their equipment, you know. Um, just, just a simple glance at the glass, the mirrors, you know, is it disgusting and filthy? Is it gross? Or 
are they taking the time to wipe it off, you know, once a day, every other day, something like that, and just keep it clean and keep it maintained and, and things like that? How well do they take care of it? And that's that's part of, I think, the difference between a truck driver and a trucker. It, it's to me. I tried to explain that to my wife one time, and she was just kind of shaking her head like, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. But, you know, I was trying to, trying to explain to her what what makes a trucker a trucker. And, and it's like you're saying that, that – that marriage of man and machine together. And I think that's part of the romance of it that, that I fell in love with um, because I, I honestly didn't grow up around trucks or trucking. I, I don't come from a trucking family or anything like that. And so, um, you know, being a mechanic for those 15 years, I, I started driving truck on the farm because that's what we were using to get the grain, you know, out of the field, out of the combine into the semi and then, truck it back to the farm, uh, you know, pull over the pit, open it up, run the auger up into the bin. And so we were just doing little short trips on the farm with really, really ugly, cheap, beat-up trucks. Um, but I, I loved it. I was like, man, this is so much fun just to drive these semis and shifting. And, and you know, you're sitting up high, and it's it's an old school listening to country music, you know, going down the road. And I was just <laughs> on cloud nine. I, I loved it. And I was like, man, I'm having – just as much fun doing this as I do when I'm racing, you know, or something like that. And I had been racing for like six or seven years by that time. And so I was like, I pay money to go racing and I'm having just as much fun driving this semi. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to stop spending money to go race and I'm going to make money by driving truck. And I'm going to have just as much fun. And, and I did. So I started driving part-time and then that turned into a full-time gig where now I, I'm wrenching just a little bit on Saturdays and whenever something breaks on us, and then I'm driving truck full time. And so, I love it. I love my job. And so, like people say, when when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And it's a lot of truth to that. So that's kind of where I fall. But, what do you What are um, you hauling usually? Uh, well, we pull end dumps in, in our in our company. So. Um, it's mainly aggregates, uh, sand, rock, things like that. We also do a lot of uh, recycled materials, so steel, aluminum, um, shredded rubber tires, um, residue from cars that go through the shredder when, when they're at, at some of these uh, auto recyclers. It, not, not everything in a car is metal. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> so it's like metal is getting spit out on one conveyor and then, Everything else goes out on a different conveyor, the plastic and the seat belts and, the, and the, just all that other junk. So we haul some of that stuff, and it will go to landfills or, it, you know, the, the, the companies decide what to do with all that stuff. Um, we also haul, uh, in the wintertime, we haul road salt. Um, so a lot of times that's coming up the Mississippi River on these barges, and so we'll, we'll take it from the barge. Uh, a lot of times it's going to uh, municipal states, county, um, things like that, cities. Uh, and then we also haul coal, um, like lump coal or um, stoker coal for heating homes and businesses, things like that. And that's actually kind of taken off more and more for uh, the small company that, that I work with. Uh, my boss has been able to sell coal locally to people that are finding it's, it's a really awesome resource uh, that we've been blessed to have, and they're they're using it to heat their shops, uh, or sometimes it's hog buildings or even homes, and so we'll, we'll go out to North Dakota and we'll bring uh, loads back to Minnesota 
in the busy season of, of winter, um, it's about one load a week. So we're going out to North Dakota with a load going out there to a power plant, and then we're coming back with a load of coal to, back to Minnesota. So I'm in Minnesota. I don't know if I said that, but I'm a, yeah. I'm a Midwest uh, Minnesota born and raised guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. um. I don't. I'm trying to think. Since you said that, I don't can't even think of a house that I've ever even seen out here that heated with coal. Oh, okay. I'm trying yeah, to think. I, Most people up here use oil or gas. Right. Yep. And I, the majority of people here do too. Yeah, natural gas is probably the most common thing. Um, but yeah, coal is kind of uh, a big deal in North Dakota, like the central part of North Dakota, right around the Bismarck area. There's a lot of big power plants out there that are burning it. And then so local people that live in the area, they'll also use coal to heat their homes. And um, they have some, some, some boiler systems that are actually really, really efficient. And um, my... My boss, I keep talking about him, but Brian is is super into it. He actually bought a, a boiler system from a company out in Center, North Dakota, that builds these boilers right there in house. And then he got his hands on one of these things, and we built a a brand new shop here um, just this last winter. It just got done a couple months ago. It's amazing. I love that shop. <laughs> and he decided he wanted to go with in floor heat, and so um, he has the plumbing. It's buried from from the one boiler uh, location in the small shop. It's it's plumbed underground to the to the new big shop. He also had it plumbed to his house, and and um, <laughs> so it it's like that one boiler, just with just a little tiny fire inside. It's all automated. It's so it's it's fed from a hopper and an auger right into that boiler, and it's burning coal all the time. And he doesn't have to think about it. You know, he can put one scoop in there with his skid loader and then it's it's good for a couple of days and it, it just runs it all by itself. It's really, really efficient heat um, from that coal. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. I actually, coal miners, I always thought were like the, that's got to be like the hardest job. I always, oh, whenever, yeah. anytime I ever yeah. read anything about it or anything. Although mm -hmm. I've always, I actually just talked about this with the heavy wrench the other day. I've always wanted to go into a mine. I've never gotten the opportunity. Yeah. I've yep. always wanted to go into like a deep one, like a real deep one, like a yeah, yep. like a, like one where you're like, did I accidentally like cross over dimensions or something? You know, like <laughs> yep, like you're on a different planet. Yeah, yeah, like you yep. just go so deep and then you come out and you're like at the surface and you're like, what? That's yeah. what I want to happen. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I think that's pretty big in Pennsylvania, over over your, on the east coast, your way, out here in 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 the Midwest, North Dakota, that's all open pit mining, and so it's. There's there's no real going down into it. It's just a big hole in the ground. Also so they, known as the most boring form of mining. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. The, the machines are massive. It's really fun to be out there, and you're on like the drag line and the monster trucks that they have out there. It's just incredible. They can haul like 16 times what I can fit in my semi trailer. That's what this one machine is hauling. Oh it's, yeah. They're flying. It's going like 50 miles an hour, and yeah, it's <laughs> incredible out there. Everything's just massive. So. Those are really cool. Those uh, a lot of those um, like those giant buckets and stuff. The, yeah. Like some of the excavators are huge. Yeah. All that yeah. stuff. All that stuff's super cool. It's amazing the stuff that humans have been able to produce, isn't it? <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah, it makes me feel like a little kid again. It's like, oh man, that's awesome. Even stuff <laughs> when I'm by the Mississippi River. You know, I think I posted something the other day about this big clamshell crane that was sitting there. It's like, man, like 
again, just just like we were talking about with trucks having a story to tell, it's like I bet this machine has been here for longer than I've been alive, for sure, you know, and it's like, <laughs> how many different operators have run this thing, you know, and what has this thing seen and changes during its life, and how, you know, how many tons has it hauled, and it's just, it's just cool to try and think about, and if, if these machines could talk and tell us some of the stories they could tell us, what, what would they say, and so it's fun to think about that kind of stuff, you know, where have they been, what have they seen? Oh, yeah, um, and how far yeah. they've come, I mean, you yeah. we have, like, uh, every year we have like the hopping of fairs. New Hampshire's like real big on fairs. Sure. And, uh, you know, there's always like the old, like steam, steam yep. and stuff, you know, like the steam, I can't, steam shovels. Sure. Yep. They have like steam shovels that run and stuff and you see them going and like every thing has its own <laughs> handle, you know, like, so like they're like yeah. throwing all these levers and like doing all this <laughs> stuff. Like you're like, yeah. Oh my God, we've come so far when you think like now you run it with like two joysticks and a yeah. <laughs> and yep. foot pedals. True. It's true. Amazing. amazing how yep. far we've come. That's right. It is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your, your art. How did you get into doing art? Okay, yeah. Well, I actually grew up around art. Um, my uh, my mom is actually a professional artist, and so she does a lot of um, pencil, um, pen and ink. She does um, oil painting. She, China painting, um, lots of different forms, and she's always coming up with new new things that she wants to try. And so, growing up around that gave me an appreciation for it. And my mom was also an art teacher, and so learning from her, um, it, if, if I had a art class or something like that, she was super involved in helping me. And so I was just around good art anyway, and um, I. I don't know. It's it's just been a part of who I am, I guess, pretty much my whole life. And my dad, you know, he's he's a uh, uh, independent contractor, um, so he specializes in kitchens and baths, and so he's super hands-on, very very hard work ethic. He's a small business owner, and my dad was the gearhead, so he was always taking my brother and I to uh, monster truck shows and tractor pulls and classic car shows and stuff like that. Oh, we'd be driving along down the road and he'd be like, Hey boys, check out that car. You know, it's not cool. Look at that motorcycle. <laughs> so my, my brother and I just grew up loving that stuff, having an appreciation for it. And, um, it was my mom with, with her art that was always giving me really, really good solid advice. And so sketching and drawing was just something I was always doing all the time. If I was supposed to be sitting still, uh, in school or, you know, at church or something like that. I was just doodling. I was just drawing. And so, um, yeah, I, I think the first time that I drew uh, uh, an actual semi-truck for someone and gave it to them was probably only about six years ago or so. Um, and it, it was more of just kind of like, at that time, I was just kind of doing a lot of cartooning. I don't know. It, it's like, your style just sort of changes, or your taste. Maybe it's not style, but my my tastes kind of change sometimes. And I was just doing a lot of cartooning at the time, so I was doing a lot of um, uh, caricature style, where it's like you know the the stacks were super tall and and way oversized, and the wheels were were super oversized, and it was you know doing a, a just a real cool. It was slammed to the ground, you know, the bumpers dragging and stuff like that, just to make it cool and fun. 
and um, I just gave that drawing to a friend, and he loved it, and then um, just it kind of took off from there. Somebody else was like, hey, can you draw my truck? I'm like, sure, yeah, and so I probably did the first handful, five, six, seven drawings, just giving them to people for fun, and I was enjoying it, and um, pretty soon I was telling people say, well, how much do you charge for a drawing? It's like, I don't know. I never really sold it, you know? I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, right. So my mom, again, because she has sold her art my whole life, I, I grew up going to like art shows and art displays and craft shows at the mall, you know, things like that. And I, sitting at my mom's table, I was just bored to tears. I hated going to those things because she needed our help to unpack the van, bring it out, set up her displays and, and all the lights, you know, and, and help customers if she needs to be talking to somebody. So I was around it, but I didn't really appreciate so much as as a kid. I didn't appreciate what she was doing. And so now that I have people wanting me to draw their trucks for them, and sometimes it wasn't always semi. Sometimes it was their classic car, their motorcycle, or pickup truck, things like that. I just love machines. Um uh, she was encouraging me, like, well, I think you need to maybe charge some more. How many hours did you spend on that? And I'd say, well, I guess I spent, you know, seven hours on that. She's like, oh, yeah, if you're putting that much time into it, you need you need to make it worth your while. You need to you need you need to up your price a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you know? And my mom is so supportive and helpful, and, and so is my wife and, and, and my boss. Just people, if I didn't have people cheerleading for me, I, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing um, with my painting, with my my pencil drawings and things like that. Um, but just having people say, this is great, we like this, do more. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing it. If you guys like it, I'll keep drinking it out, you know. So um, it's it really is just just me doing things that I, that I love to do. And um, so uh, I don't know if I answered your question there, but that's kind of just how I got started was, my mom saying, hey, maybe have you tried this kind of pencil? You know, you might like this paper. I, this is what I use. And so she's offering good advice. And all through growing up, um, when I was even in grade school, she she would have really, really good input to help me with my skills. And she'd have me doing um, art exercises without even knowing that she was having me do exercises. Like she would say, okay, um, why don't you start by just drawing a circle? Okay, and now make the circle look like a ball. How would you make that circle into a three-dimensional ball? I said, well, I guess, you know, add some shadow. Yeah, and so she would say, don't just draw what you think should be there. Draw what you actually see. And so she would she would say, all right, if you ask anybody to draw a house, draw a stick figure house, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, well, it's going to have a chimney. It's going to have a front door. It's going to have a window. Okay, that's fine. Everybody has their idea of what a house looks like. But then she would say, look at this photo of a house. Now, don't draw what you think a house should look like. Draw what you see in the photo. And so she was having me do things like that at an early age. And so that's kind of stuck with me now. It's like, don't draw what you think should be there on a semi. Draw what you see in the photo. And so um, that's kind of changed my style from, like I was saying earlier, of being kind of cartoony and, and caricature style. I've I've gone more now to um, photorealism, and that's the style I really like because I'm able to do a lot of shading, which to me, photography and 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 
stencils and, and, and ink work and things like that, um, they all rely on light. What, what you're doing is you're just you're, you're representing what the light is doing on that machine, what, what's reflecting, you know, where are your shadows, things like that. And so if I draw what I see, it usually turns out pretty good. And my shading is my favorite part of it anyway. I, I, can, I can deal with the layout and things like that, but the shading is when a drawing really starts to come alive. And that's what's really fun for me, I guess. So, yeah, my drawing, my art, my, my pinstrapping, my, my lettering on, on trucks and cars, it, it's all just the way that I love to relax in the evenings. And, and so... Um, yeah, it, it's it's not a it's not a full-time business for me at all. I'm a full-time mechanic, part uh, sorry, full-time truck driver, part-time <laughs> You don't even mechanic. know what you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and then my art is just just a side gig, you know, and it it has really kind of taken off since I started with social media. A lot of people are seeing my work and and so um more and more now I'm I'm getting people that will send me a photo of their machine and say could you draw this for me? And and I, I kind of have a standard price that I start at, um, knowing about how many hours I would spend on it. And there's there's certain uh, photos that are going to require a lot more detail. Uh, for instance, uh, I'm I'm doing one right now. It's it's a uh, a truck pulling a cattle trailer, and there's just a lot of detail in a livestock trailer, you know. And so it's going to require some extra time. So I estimate those higher um, because there's more more detail involved there. Or if, if the background is really, really busy, you know, or things like that. So, yeah. Yep. Again, I gave you a long answer to a, a simple question there, but. No, that's yeah. okay. I, <laughs> my goal is the more you talk, the less I have to. My job is way easier. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, that's, um, uh, you, so it sounds like you are pretty much like the perfect mashup of your mom and dad then. <laughs> well, I, I guess so. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of where I've ended up. Um, Again, I, it, it wasn't something that I was necessarily even planning or practicing or working on even 10 years ago, but it's just sort of where I've ended up because of the people that I'm around, the people that I work with, and um, and, and things like that. Just seeing what I've done and saying, ooh, I want that too. And what's really awesome about the drawings is that, um, like, for instance, right now I have a wait list of 19 people that are waiting for me to draw their machines for them. And so I'm scheduled out to after the new year. And um, right now it's May. So <laughs> I have I have quite a quite a stack of people that, that want me to do this for them. And it's great. And I can do it on my own time. And um, they, can, they can email me their photo. I can work with it. Um, and then I can mail out their their drawing once it's finished and then they have a one-of-a-kind piece that that they can frame um, and uh, you know I, I use uh, non-acid paper and, and things like that so it's not going to turn yellow it's it's not just like cheap copier paper you know I try and use good things that are going to last a long time and um, so yeah it's it's just the kind of thing that the more people want it the more it's, it's just sort of taking off and um, my boss has even said Hey man, if if you need to start like taking some some time off, take some days off so you can catch up, <laughs> you can do that. That's fine. That's um, awesome. So yeah, I don't think I can support my family of seven on just my drawings or just my painting yet, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with it being a hobby for now. It's it's fine. But I think because I do have such an enjoyment doing that, I I, I see it as more like 
I'm going to keep doing it on the side until I retire. And then, all right, once once I'm done driving truck full time and things like that, I can just just concentrate on on my art. And you know, it might change a little bit like my mom, where it's like I might get a little bit sick of doing just pencil and paper drawing or or just pinstriping or lettering. Maybe maybe now I, I want to do some builds. You know, maybe I want to get into something totally different that I haven't even considered yet. But one okay. thing I think. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, um, one thing I think is kind of cool is, or I feel like maybe pushed you in the right direction is the fact that your mom was always a paid artist. Because a lot yes. of, there's a, a million, I mean, I see tons of great artists, you know, especially now that we have the internet. And I think that one thing a lot of artists struggle with is charging for their work. Yes. They almost feel guilty, it seems like, because they they yeah. do enjoy it. It's something that they're going to do no matter what anyways. Um, right. so it's like they almost feel guilty about charging. Yes, I agree. I would I would be in the same boat um, if it wasn't for my mom encouraging me, saying, "Hey, listen, you know your your time is worth something, and and so is your talent. You you know you have skills that God gave you, so you know that's 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 valuable. People want this, and it's something that you can offer and you can sell. And so you need to you need to charge accordingly for that. And so yeah, I'd probably still be just giving it away, and it would just be something for for friends but, but with her um being a full-time paid artist yeah she's she's had um some of her work in um libraries and in, in you know really really pretty big art shows and and in magazines and catalogs she's done some illustrations for the covers of books uh things like that so um she's she's diverse in in, in that way too she's she's kind of been around long enough that she knows what works yeah your mom's the real deal huh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. She's awesome. Her name is Becky West. If anybody wants to look her up, she's on Instagram and Facebook. And um, I, I should say one of the things that she is incredible at is doing portraits. And I am not. Like, I am never, ever, ever happy with uh, the mouth or the eyes. If I try and do somebody's portrait, I hate it. I, I'm just never, never satisfied with it. And so I don't actually. People have asked me before, like, "Hey, can you draw me in front of my truck?" I try and turn them away. It's like, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I really like to stick with machines or like landscapes, you know, still things like that. But if you ask me to draw your Aunt Tilly, I don't think it's going to look like Aunt Tilly when I'm done with it. I'm just never ever happy with it, you know. And my mom is amazing. She's incredible at that. Um, and so she loves to do portraits for people. She, she does, uh, you know, animals and things like that. Um, but I think because of where she's at with with her art, she's able to um, kind of pick and choose some of the commissions that she wants to take on, or maybe she'll she'll just um, refer somebody to a, to a different artist. And I've gotten to that point with some people too, where they've they've asked me like, "Hey, can you put my my tractor next to my dad's tractor, and then can you have my dad, you know?" up in the sky looking down from heaven and it's like oh you know i love your idea i think that's great but i don't think i'm the artist for you like i'm not going to do this justice like oh my god what did you do to my dad yeah exactly it's like oh that's a great idea but i just i'm not going to pull it off the way that you want me to so (laughs) you better just keep looking for somebody else that can that can uh, make your idea come true so that's got that's that's pressure too that's real pressure you don't want to deal with yeah (laughs) It really is, yeah. Oh man, yep. 
I'm getting uncomfortable just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. My mom has, has some real horror stories, too. So she's been through some experiences enough that she can kind of help steer me and guide me through that, and that is huge. That's helped me out incredibly. I'd be really lost without that. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you said you used to used to race, too, huh? I did, yeah. Um, not not like big-time race. Um, around here, enduro racing is, is a pretty big deal in, at the county fairs, and so I wasn't committed to, to having to spend a lot of time building my race cars or um, – there wasn't a whole ton of money involved in it, but um, the county fairs around our area, um, they would usually have a lot of different events, a different event happening in the grandstand every night of the fair, and the fair might go all week long. And then, um, so they would have like demolition derby, they would have enduro racing, they would have motocross, they would have tractor pull, all these different things. And so um, I remember going with uh, a couple of my buddies to the, enduro race one year i didn't even know what it was but i was just i was expecting stock cars you know what is an enduro race yeah enduro racing yeah enduro racing is is basically it's the first car that can finish 250 laps or is the lead car after two hours of racing with no stops no no cautions no anything um now certain certain um sanctioning bodies or, or you know, the, the, the guys that are running the show, they might do it in certain ways. They might have their own unique rules. Some guys will take a mandatory caution where they let the water truck come back out on the track and, and muddy things up again, and everybody can put gas in their car and they can do any repairs or things like that. But enduro racing is, is just that. It's just endurance. Who, who can be out there lasting the longest? And so there's a lot of beating and banging, and um, the cars are just – just muddy so much that you you really can't even hardly read the the numbers on the sides anymore at the end and there's not a straight panel on them you know and it's just <laughs> and it's hard probably only good for one race <laughs> well that was the thing that's kind of what got me into this is i actually started the, the very first thing that i did is i i was in a demolition derby for pickup truck my first year that i wanted to try this and i have a wife that's super cool about this i mean she knew when she met me that i was really into daredevil stupid kind of stuff anyway motorcycles <laughs> and go-karts and snowmobiles and so when i told her i want to do a demolition derby she was a little bit nervous but she's like well okay be safe you know it's like ah, i got a helmet and a fire suit it'll be great you know <laughs> you really so, took a bunch of life insurance on you <laughs> right? yeah and so i did this demolition derby i worked for a, a, a ford dealership at the time and this was a trade-in pickup two-wheel drive it met all the the rules for this thing and i'm like yeah i can i can totally do this so the the dealership sponsored me by just giving me the pickup um it there was something wrong with the tranny i had first gear in reverse and that's like that's all i need it doesn't have third gear like yeah it goes forward and back that's it man that's all i need so yeah i spent like a week of my own time just putting the thing together and take take all the glass out you know all the prep stuff that you got to do safety wise to these things for demolition derby and of course i wanted to have the headers flipped upside down so it's sticking up through the hood because that's just cool you know it's like you gotta do that and um it was so much fun but it was over within like three minutes and i'm i'm like i was like man i did pretty well i got the bonus you know for being like the aggressive truck on the track and stuff like that but 
like somebody took out my radiator and my night is done. Like I can't, I didn't, I don't have a second radiator to put in this thing and go back for another heat. So that's kind of what got me into enduro racing is the, the, the demo derby was one and done and it's over. And I wanted to be able to still have something left over at, at the end of the night. And so these enduro races, if you finish well, if you finish in the top 10 of the race, you get money, you get cash. And so it was a way for me to kind of keep going to the next one. It's an incentive to keep racing. And so they would have this series set up like, all right, if you, you win in this county, well, two weeks from now is the next county over. And then if you do well at that one, you can go to such and such county. And if, you know, they'll, they'll offer extra bonuses if you go to all those different counties. And if you finish in the money, you can win an extra 1500 bucks or something like that. So that was kind of enticing. And the fact that these guys that were going out there, they would show up with a car that was already filthy and muddy. They didn't even wash the thing off. You know, it's like <laughs> they just show up and the things are trashed, um, but they're still running. And a lot of them were the old school rear wheel drive Monte Carlo from the 70s. Um, that was that was kind of the hot car to have was, was the Monte Carlo. And so, um, yeah, that's what I found. I found a retired uh, uh, like stock car that so it already had the roll cage in it and, and things like that. And it, it was kind of outdated. So by this time, people were, were racing some of the newer 80s uh, rear-wheel drive G-body uh, General Motors products. And so I, I was able to get myself kind of the older retired one that was bigger and heavier and wider. And uh, I, I had to made a few like changes to the, to the suspension and things like that to bring it back to stock so it wasn't a full race car. You know, I had to match the rules and what the right. rules were pretty specific. And, yeah, threw a junkyard engine in it and went out there and I sucked <laughs> at it. I was absolutely terrible at it. <laughs> and so, like, the first two or three races, I was, like, the slowest car on the track because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't know how to set these things up and, like – a, a buddy come with me that was going to help me change tires, and we were totally clueless. We were just trying to figure it out <laughs> as we went, you know. And you throw like a huge gas tank in it? Uh, no, they were supposed to be outboard boat tanks, and they were supposed to be like strapped down in the trunk of the car. Yeah, but it's not the like the boat. it's not like the factory tank because that's what I was when no. you said you got to run for that long, that far for right without running yep. out of gas. And so, was, yeah, they'll they'll have they'll have a like one mandatory stop where they make everybody, yeah, the water water truck comes out on the track and, and does that. Uh, and, and yeah, so we'll, we'll top them off with fuel and, and yeah, change a flat tire or whatever you got to do, get back on the track and just finish. And so what's interesting is each driver has to provide two people that sit up in the grandstands and they can't sit next to one another. They have to sit separate from one another and they both count your laps. So every time you go around, they're supposed to mark on, on like a, uh, notebook or something like that that you just went by one lap and they're they're watching a clock so they write down the time that was on that clock that's facing the grandstands and so if you have a lot of times there is 50 to 75 cars on the track at, at all times they're all running in one like giant non-stop circle and so it's easy to lose track of which car you're watching and what's happening. So <laughs> the first time I went to one of these enduro races, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Who's in the lead? How do you know who wins? You know? And, and it's, yeah, so all these lap counters are just keeping track of, of those cars. And so once, once the time is done and they determine, okay, it's been two hours, 
they'll stop the race, and then they have to tally up all the laps and figure out who the winner is, even though nobody really knows for about 20 minutes while they're counting all the laps. So, <laughs> have, yeah. you ever read, have you ever read the book, The, the Candy-Colored Tangerine Flake Streamlined Baby by Tom Wolf? <laughs> No, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> it is. It's a great. It's a. It's a collection of. Do you know who Tom Wolf is? Yes. He was. He was like a. Uh, he was a like a reporter, and he would go around and do different like magazine articles and stuff. Sure. Yep. And he he like he was a very famous art uh, author, but he wrote um, this collection of stories called. Hold on. The candy. The candy colored tangerine flake streamlined baby, and the whole book is like. <laughs> It's just like different car. Like he talks about uh, like Ed Roth and and uh, yeah. George Barris, and he talks about one of the things he cool. talks about is um, the American the 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 sport that basically America created, which is the demolition derby. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I actually think, in my opinion, he he compares it to like gladiatorial, the gladiatorial sure. game. Sure. Um, yep. Like. like reaches to that like same primal part yeah. of the brain. Um yeah. I actually think that if they could get their shit together. Yeah. And, like demolition derby could be the biggest sport in America. After reading yeah. his thing and I was like this is 100% on on point. If they could get it together. Yeah. They could abs- I think demolition derby could absolutely be the biggest like yeah. sport in the world. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that'd be awesome. That was one of the things that I loved about it. Not only the demo derby, but enduro racing. Um, and it spills over into other, other interests that I have, but it was, it was, I loved the driving part of it. That was a blast, but it was also like, who can build the best machine? Who can, who can, you know, it, it's a competition of the build and it's a competition of your driving skills together. And I think that's why, with enduro racing, I could be in that seat for a solid two hours trying to outdrive everybody. But it's also how well did you prep your car and what are you <laughs> learning along the way? And so by by my second, third, fourth, fifth season, I'm starting to figure it out and I'm finishing better and better every time. And not only am I consistently finishing the race, but I'm doing better and I'm getting more money and I'm getting trophies. And, and you're getting a little bit of recognition, and then people are coming to you and asking you, hey, how do you do that? Or, what, you know, how, how'd, you, how'd you get that thing to turn your corner so fast when I'm out there hitting the wall every time and stuff like that? So it's, it's fun. It's, it's, again, it's, it's man and machine, just like we were talking about earlier with semis, where it's, it's, it's the skills that you have behind the wheel, but it's also the skills that you have in the shop. How much how – much, time are you willing to put into that machine you know and, and I wanted to be the guy that was willing to give up sleep and and the guy that was willing to put more hours in than anybody else to make sure that I had everything just how I wanted it and I can say that was the best I could possibly do and so I I don't know I'm I'm probably romanticizing it too much but that's, that's no man that's drive. a I mean, sport that's yeah. athletic. that's I mean I fought for many years and it's the same exact principle as you hear any 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 athlete talks about. I mean, that's what it is. It's about putting in the time and the effort and the, yeah. you know, and with a little bit of luck and a little bit of natural skill and, you, you know, you can yep. take yourself apart from all these other people. I mean, that's what competition is. I don't go that's into right. a competition to lose. I go yeah. in there to crush somebody. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm that's one of right. I'm one of the nicest people you ever meet. But if you and me are uh, 
You know, if you and me are hanging out and there's one nacho left, you better fucking believe I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I, that's, I think what, that's competing. That's what athletics is. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So, I, th- again, that, that the competitive spirit, I think it spills over into a lot of things. You know, it, it it's like, are you going to be the guy that's willing to wake up a little earlier than everybody else and make sure that your fuel tanks are polished and your wheels are clean? You know, are you going to be the guy? I, I want to be known as that guy that's willing to go above and beyond what everybody else would kind of be shaking their heads like, yeah, no way, man. Mm-mm, that's not for me. Like, <laughs> go to it. Go do your own thing. But it's like, I don't know. It, it's it's all about what's important to you, you know, where your priorities are at. And so I tend to probably go too far that direction of being a perfectionist and trying to just make sure everything is just so when I, I should probably be willing to just, you know, let things be and not worry so much about what it looks like or not, you know, not care so much that it's just, just so, you know, and not be so fussy, but um, I don't know. That's just kind of the way I'm built. That's the way I'm made. And, and I, I probably do that to the neglect of other things that I ought to be spending more time on. So <laughs> try and find the balance of being being husband, being dad, and having all these hobbies and interests and, and passions for other things. So it's it's tough. The struggle's real, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird thing, though, when you have kids. I mean, you have five of them. So, I like, do. that's yep. got to be even – there's got to be levels of weirdness that I don't even understand exist. Yeah. But um, it's yep. a weird thing <laughs> to have a have a – child and then you're just like i remember sitting in the hospital and being like wow i can't like i can't die you know what i mean like <laughs> I, I have to stay alive like at least for the next 18 years whereas like before yep. it was like eh, you know maybe i'll make it maybe i won't you know but now uh-huh. it's like it's like yep. it's just such a weird priority shift even in your own mind it's like oh yeah no i'm second now like even to yeah. me <laughs> yep that's and it's right. not a bad thing. It's just a weird transition that you that you make when, or at least the at least that I made. I don't know if oh, yeah. how other people see it, but like, you know, there's yeah. that. It was like I was sitting in the hospital with my son, and I was like, okay, so like, mm-hmm. this is it. Like now, my my life doesn't revolve around me anymore. You know. Yeah. And right. like You're even for somebody else now. Yeah. Even compared when to when like you know you get married or you meet the person that you're with. I mean. Sure. You know, it's like having kids is just nothing that I've done yet in my life has changed my life in such a way as that just like such yeah. a completely, you know, turned everything upside down. <laughs> You're right. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yep. You leave the hospital, you got this little meat sack and you're like, what? It's like this meat <laughs> sack that you have to protect forever. And you're yeah. like, Oh my God. Yeah. Did they see me take this baby? Right. <laughs> this <is> allowed. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, it's very, very good. Yeah. And and how old are yours? Uh, my son's three. Your son's three. Okay. Yep. How old I, are your kids? Well, my oldest uh, is 18, so he's a senior this year, and my youngest, she's eight. So I have four sons and one daughter. And so my kids are to the age now that we're, you know, we're still parent and child, but my my kids are are so much more like my companions and my friends now. Um, my oldest, he wants to go to school to be uh, an auto mechanic, kind of like I did. And so I'm spending a lot of time with my boys, um, just working on stuff and, and wrenching. They all, they all have different skills and different strengths. Um, I have one son, my, my second oldest. He's the artist 
Um, it, he just kind of really took to it, and he does a lot of um, illustrating, a lot of cartooning, um, like comic strips. That's really his style, and so he spends a lot of his time just drawing. He just loves to sit down with with paper and pen and, and draw. Um, and same with my my third and my fourth, and then my my little girl. She's my youngest. Um, so yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Where your your priorities completely change, uh, being a being a parent, and um, I I really love spending time with my kids. I I really do. My my third son, he's the one that knows he wants to be a trucker, and so he's constantly wanting to go on the road with me. Any any chance he gets, like Dad, is, is today a good day? Can I can I go trucking <laughs> with you? And um, I love it. It's it's super cool. So yeah, this the more the older they get, the more I'm sure you you know your son's personality, obviously being three years old now. But when when they're old enough that they can be doing stuff with you and alongside you, and it's not so much that they're costing you time, they're actually they're actually contributing and actually helping. That's really fun. I love it. Like I can I can tell my boys, hey guys, the lawn needs to be mowed, or you know, hey you need to go take a shower, and I don't have to babysit them now. They can just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My my wife and I love it. We can go on dates and stuff like that. And we can just leave the kids home, and they're old enough; they can just <laughs> handle it themselves. It's it's awesome. So it's it's a fun stage of life when when your kids are your friends also. So you it's got, weird you got though with to look like looking to. like even now my my son's three. He's just like three and a half, but it's sure. like weird because I remember he was born, you know, and he was like his mm-hmm. hand, his head fit in my hand, and his. Yeah didn't hit my, hit my elbow. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah. he was he was a little he was a little bit premature. He was a little small. And he uh yeah, his his hmm. feet didn't hit my elbow. So it's like and now I look wow. at him and it's like who like who is this yeah. kid that like can talk and walk around like yeah. home like you yeah. were you, know, you were nothing. Crippled in size. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking oh. Like when we were, you know, looking at the ultrasound and stuff, it's like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. I look at him now. I'm like, you started off as two as two cells. Yeah. Two cell. I remember with you when you were two cells big. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's a real mind blowing thing that like you don't you don't appreciate. And like I'm sure that there's a lot of parents out there that don't appreciate it either. You know, it's just I'm a weirdo and I think about this kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, no, that's awesome, man. But yeah, yeah man. we should. We should. I'm just like, man, like you just keep like getting bigger and bigger. Like it's so it's so strange. You used to be two cells big, and now yeah. you now you're 35 yep. pounds. It's a miracle, man. It really is. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. My my three oldest sons are all taller than I am now. They all have shoes bigger than me. My 13 year old, my third son, he wears a size 13 shoe and he's shaving. And it's like, holy cow! Like I wasn't doing that when I was 13, but man. <laughs> I barely My do that boys now. Are just monsters, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they, we're a soccer family. They they they're all into soccer. One of them plays basketball, and and so yeah, they're they're just just out there, full grown men is what they look like. But they're still boys inside, you know. So I have to tell myself like, okay, they're just they're still boys, so be patient with them. But <laughs> they're still getting used to their man bodies, you know. So they're in that awkward teenage stage that I remember being in too. So. Oh, that was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or. There's times I'll go into their bedroom. It's like, oh my word, you get, you guys smell that? You guys smell awful. When was your last shower? And I gotta remind them, like, dude, change those socks, man. Like, wow. <laughs> like, they just, they don't, they don't 
they'll notice that they smell. So I've got to try and teach them some of the manly ways. Like, okay, we wear deodorant. Okay, we, you know, we, we shower more than more than that. You know, stuff like that. So God, I'm yeah. so I'm so glad that I have a couple of years before that. <laughs> yep, yep, you got time. It's coming. Yeah. Right now, it smells good all the time. <laughs> well, maybe not all the time, but most of the time. Yep. Yep. Um. Cool. Well, man, that's all the that's all the questions I have for you tonight. Yeah. All right. I appreciate. I really cool. appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure, man. I'm honored. I hope Thank we can you. do this again. Yeah. Me too. Me too, Nick. Thank you. Um. Where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram. I'm at flannel Philip. That's uh, one L and Philip. Um, that's my Instagram handle. Uh, on Facebook, I am Philip West, W E S T, just like the direction. And um, yeah, it's, that's those are the easiest ways to find me. I I have quite a few drawings out there. I'm I'm working more and more on trying to get um, more pinstriping jobs and, and hand lettering and things like that. But if you go to either one of my profiles, you can see some of the work that I've done. Um, I also have been just kind of doing a lot of this. I'm working on a, a cab over restoration right now. Uh, I did a, a sleeper on, on the truck that I'm doing. So I'm doing just a lot of builds that uh, I don't know if it's, it's just more interest to me, but yeah. On, no, on dude, my... You're doing a You're doing a lot of cool stuff. That's going to be. <laughs> cool. go oh, check, thanks. Absolutely. Go check them out because everything you're doing is cool from your artwork to your, to your, just your daily truck in and your all your bills. Thanks. No, dude, you're Thanks, doing a man. lot of awesome stuff. You're very humble. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just me. I'm just taking taking photos of stuff that I'm into, and people seem to dig it. So, Thanks. it's yeah. it's weird too when you uh when you just when people come like at least for me when people are like, wow, you guys do such great work, and I'm like, I don't know. It's just like it's what we've always <laughs> done, you know? Like right, yeah. It's it's yep. not. It's like with you don't know any other way. So it's like, you don't even realize what's yeah. good and what's bad, you know? Yeah, Just me being me. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Nick. And I hope you have a wonderful night. You too, buddy. Thank you. No problem. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you could, do me a favor and leave me a review. Um, just letting me know what you did or didn't like about the show. I would really love to uh, get some feedback and be able to uh, improve the show or keep it exactly the same if it's already perfect. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you guys all have a great day.